Hello, my name is Edwin. What up, y'all? This is Jeff. And this is Frantic. What is going on, guys? This is Tilted Not Stirred. Welcome, welcome. It is a lovely Monday evening today, October 3rd. First episode of the month of October. So, uh... I'm sure all the kids are ready to go trick-or-treating this month. Are you guys going to go trick-or-treating? No. Nah, but I always, I always, I like the, I like the vibe, you know, the Halloween. vibe. Yeah. The vibe that Halloween brings in the cold nights, you know, it's nice and cold, nice and dark early. Uh-huh. Oh man. I love that shit all the time. How old's your, your nephew now? He is three. Three. Okay. Well, I guess maybe not old enough to trick or treat. Yeah. However, I don't know. Do people still even do that? I don't. I don't yeah. think people have really knocked on our door the past. Well, it also actually now I just remember live. that <laughs> the past couple of years have been awkward because yeah, of been uh, things. Yeah. So last year yeah. we had some. There was a couple last year, but I guess like it should be interesting this. Twenty twenty was completely dead. Yeah, people go yeah. to the rich houses too. You know. Well, since we don't live at the rich houses, well, I guess we're okay. The no, we don't got to buy no candy. Talk so, about candy. I've actually been eating candy corn. My cousin bought some candy corn randomly, and I haven't had candy corn in ages. And I tried some, and I'm like, wow, why do people shit on candy corn? Uh, that's how I feel when I have the first one, right? You have the first one. <laughs> it's so fucking good. And you're like, oh, my God. Then you have another one. And it starts tasting more and more like wax. And it's just like that first one hits. It got on me a, there. Yeah, <laughs> it hits on <laughs> an unbelievable level, and then it just the the law of diminishing returns hits really hard on the candy. I've been having two at a time for that reason, because <laughs> <laughs> I had three, and I'm like, this third one sucked. <laughs> <laughs> and they're so small too. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, oh well. Yeah, that first one hits really hard though. Um, butter beer. For Universal Studios, the Halloween, no, the Harry Potter drink that they sell in the, in Harry Potter land and Hogwarts land, mm-hmm. um, tastes like candy corn. It's a butterscotch flavored. It's a butterscotch icy. That's fucking sick as fuck. Uh, have you guys been caught up on the, well, yeah. Have you guys caught, been caught up with the whole, uh, pumpkin spice craze? It is that time of year again. No, but I did see Leslie's story, and I was I was baffled. Yeah, so I think I'm basic, guys. <laughs> I, uh, but in a different way, I I tried a pumpkin ale this past weekend, and it was it was delicious. I must admit, it tasted like a pumpkin bread. If you guys have ever had that, this one's called the Howling Gourds Pumpkin Ale, and. Uh, don't know exactly where she bought it. Probably Trader Joe's. Yeah, Trader that's... Joe's is lit as fuck on uh, pumpkin spice right now. Yeah, so it, it's it's definitely a, a hard recommend for me. The Howling Gourds. If you like beer and you like pumpkin, I, I say go for it. It's pretty damn good. She didn't like it, but I, I thought it was pretty damn good. All right, the come-ups, huh? They're all up in your fridge? Yep. So, you guys know I got a new phone, right? And I was, like, super excited about it. But with my last phone, I'd basically minimized it to the point where I only used it for important things and no frivolous or superficial things. Or Like, I never had a game 
at all on my phone. Boring. And I had one game, and it was like a classical music Guitar Hero game mm-hmm. um, that I fuck with, right? And then this this time, I was like, you know what? I have a stylus. This thing's beefy. I want to get in a video game. I considered, you know, the big ones, Genshin Impact. I considered something that will push my phone, right? And I was like, what what could that be? And I found it. And oh. it's the New York Times crossword, bros. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is amazing. It's, this is actually such a huge coincidence because I, so um, my girlfriend's mom, I guess my mother-in-law, future mother-in-law, she takes care of old people. And there's this old guy that she takes care of. His, we're going to call him Bob. And Bob is 95 years old. And apparently he writes small, like, little books that are, like, essays and his thoughts about certain issues and stuff. And I was skimming through it, and there was one chapter about crossword puzzles. And I was like, what what the hell? What did Bob say? What did Bob say about crossword puzzles? let me find it real quick. Wait, give me a second. I wasn't ready for this. Oh, okay, okay. But anyways, we'll talk a little bit more on crossword, right? You know, I, I, I love fucking words, you know, vernacular. Like, I'm fucking hype on the dictionary and the thesaurus, you know? That's my shit. So, as I'm doing this crossword puzzle, there's a lot of shit that I'm like, what the f- How do we even get there? And just solving a cross a word by solving mm-hmm. everything around it is fucking nice. You know? I fucking get it. Maybe I Maybe I'm at that age where... I might just pick up a paper. You know what I'm saying? See what's inside. Yeah. So this is what he says about crossword puzzles. People who do crossword puzzles know that they are a challenge, a test, and an exercise, not a time-killing distraction. They come in many levels of required skill, with the New York Times puzzle setting the standard. Their crosswords increase in difficulty daily from Monday to Saturday, with Sunday enlarging both in size and challenge. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, he goes on and on about how basically old people are, they have like a innate advantage and it's, it's not really because like uh, you have to be smart to do them. It's just that because they're, they're old, they just know more words and norm and no more history. Yeah. There's a lot of things that were like, like, how am I supposed to get this? Right. The unit of, one of them was a, it just says, ill. that's gross. And it was a three letter thing. And mm-hmm. it was not ill. You know, like... Why would they include the word in the description for the word? It wasn't. It wasn't ill. Oh, it was just, that's gross? That's the description? Yeah, it was like, ill. that's gross. Three-letter word. What is it? And I was just there for, like, the longest. And then the answer was ick. Ick? Mm, yes. <laughs> yeah. I-C-K. But yeah, but you get there by... I, I got there, at least, by solving everything around the word ick. Mm-hmm. And he gave me ick. And I was like, well, I guess it fucking works, right? But I don't know. They're just so fucking satisfying. I did the Sunday one, which is the hardest one. It took me mm-hmm. about an hour. Damn. And that shit was... Yeah. I mean, I didn't want to look up any clues, anything. I wanted to just fucking sit there and do it. And it was the most cathartic thing in, in the world. It was amazing. This is like the advanced version of Wordle, right? 
like a, like wordle is like the the super quick like one or two minute thing you can do every day and then the crossword puzzles is uh is the uh the ultimate challenge yeah and so many fucking words so many things there was like the portuguese kings what are they referred to as and i'm like i have no fucking clue right mm-hmm. so i just man it was it was great very cool well uh I guess I'll segue that into today's topic, to talking about things that we don't completely understand. Today's topic is going to be about another thing that we don't quite understand, which is uh, basically America's obsession with true crime. So uh, let's go ahead and get that uh, that ukulele playing, and we'll this get this thing started. This is a spooky ukulele. You don't have the spooky version, sad. This is the spooky version. All right. So before we get into today's topic, I just remembered I wanted to talk about something. What's up? Uh, I went to Vegas this weekend to visit a friend. And uh, he recently got surgery for for cancer. And uh, it seems like everything's going to be okay. But I guess maybe just a public service announcement that if, uh, if you guys are in pain or have any kind of weird feeling about stuff, I mean, we're getting older. Maybe a good time to uh, to go get that checkup. I know I haven't been checked up in the past like ten years, probably. So I'm definitely due. It's it's on my to do list for sure by the end of this year. Um, but I just want to just uh, go go ahead and throw out that public service announcement. Go get go get your balls checked. Go get your your rectum checked. Your all the things checked. Hey, you're telling uh, me you don't get a weekly colonoscopy? Uh, I do not. I do. You do? I, I, <laughs> yeah, haven't, you don't. I haven't gotten you don't? checked out. <laughs> what was that? I haven't gotten checked out in like probably like three, four years. I'm like three years. Jesus. Yeah. I've been like, since I've been going to the gym and losing a bit of weight, I've been kind of thinking to myself, you know what? I need to get fit before I go because I don't want to show up and then just them tell me, hey, you're overweight. Because it's like, no shit. Yeah. Right. So, Have you considered losing a little bit of weight? Yes, yeah, like you motherfuckers. Uh, <laughs> I I normally stay away from hospitals as much as I can, but after visiting him and stuff, and just how it seemed like you know it really can just happen to anyone. Uh, it really puts some things into perspective for me, and I'm just like shit. I gotta go, gotta go make sure I'm good. Yeah, man, so. that shit is rough for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, hey, can you uh, raise your fupa so we can get underneath and check those balls? Uh, my fupa? What is that? It's the fat. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's your fat that hangs. Hey, that's, I don't call it a fupa. I gave it, I gave it something else. I gave it a different name, all right? A longha? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's my love handles, all right? Leave me alone. Um, but, yeah. I guess I could talk a little bit about Vegas. I mean, we I went I went out there and uh did a little bit of gambling and the buffalo was not was not uh good to to us this weekend, sadly. Uh we started off hot. I know you get on the slot machine and it'll give you the instant dopamine like, "Hey, you guess what? You just won." 
and you're like, oh shit, I gotta keep going now. Yeah, the uh, I I usually like going on on Buffalo, so Buffalo Gold, Buffalo Revolution, Buffalo Ascension. Anyway, anything that's Buffalo, that, that's what I gravitate towards on the slots and um, those damn elusive buffaloes. You gotta get on the table games, man. That's that's where your best odds are, dude. If I go, if I get on table games, it's over for me. So I'd rather not. I think slot machines are peak degeneracy. Yeah, but see, with the slot machine, I already know that it's like yes, there's like maybe an ounce of skill, but like it's just like a fun thing of like whether it happens or it doesn't. Whereas if I play table. I I I like I'm a thousand percent sure I will be addicted if I if I ever gamble over the table like that. PSA, uh, check the seats every time you're gonna get sit down next to a slot machine. Oh, yeah, motherfuckers are so addicted to slot machines that they'll piss themselves in order to keep oh, the machine. Oh God! In order to keep the machine because that is their lucky machine. So yikes! Yeah. <laughs> always Man, check I'm your a, seat. A, I always go for the comfy chairs too. <laughs> Maybe I need. To, I want to just do the ones where I'm standing now. Yeah, always <laughs> check your seat, man. It's a it's a huge issue. Oh God! All right. Well, did you guys do anything this weekend or this week before we get into it? Uh, I'm like super stressed out over promotion talk, but that's another story for another time. But hopefully. It's it goes well. Uh, yeah. I should I should know sometime this month. Hell yeah, well, dude! Yeah, good, good luck, luck with bro. that. Yeah, appreciate. I, it. I recently had my performance review, and I I got a raise, not a promotion. So like, it's bittersweet, but it's something. It's something. We'll see what what happens the rest of this year. Hopefully, I'm supposed to be getting. I mean, it's it's not really that much. Like. It, it's it's a ten percent raise, so it's like oh cool ten percent, but like inflation's up, so it's like is, is that ten percent raise really anything? Not really, but it is what it is. Uh, pushing for a promotion though, and hopefully, the the plan right now is to get reevaluated in December. So gonna push for that pretty hard. Good luck to you there, dude. Yeah, man. I just you know. I'm almost 30 and after all of my plans of my 20s went to shit other than like graduating college, I was like, you know what? By the time I'm 30 years old, I want to be a salary man. And so hopefully it gets done by December because uh, my birthday's in January. So it's like right at that line, right? like the last moment possible. Don't force but, things, man. You got to be smart about this. And if you do get to 30... <laughs> You know, like, so be it. It's yeah, a lot of... I know, I know, but, you know, it's just... It's not a race, man. Hey, man, we lost two years of our life due to fucking COVID, so it's okay to push that. Yeah, friend, you're 28, dude. You get yeah. a refund. I get a refund? So if everybody's allowed to <laughs> to, put, to roll back two years of their yeah, age... Yeah, everybody gets a refund hey, on down. those two years, man. <laughs> I'm down too, man. I'm 28. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess let's get into the topic, shall we? If nothing else. Oh, real quick, right? Okay. So we 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 just finished a hike. Everything was cool, and my coworkers were like, "Hey, how about we do a sprint right now?" You know, thinking that 
thinking they're looking at an easy prey. And I was like, a sprint? You, you want to do a sprint right now? And then, you know, I wanted to sound as apathetic to the whole thing as possible. Right? Okay. And I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely cannot do a sprint right now. But I'll, sure, I'll indulge you. I fucking smoked them. And I knew I was going to smoke them. Damn. But I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, I don't know, man, I'm tired. No, ah, uh, ah. Uh. <laughs> Edwin said, I'm out. <laughs> said, y'all thought. Fucking, fucking got him. You know, knees to chest, motherfucker. Yeah. That shit was wow. tight. Hey, you know what, Edwin? And it made me up, feel man. young. It made me feel young. And then a homie posted a picture of me when I was in senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. And that did not make me feel good. I was like, damn. I used to think I was fat then. Jesus. Dude, same. <laughs> I used to think I was fat back in high school, and I, I weighed 130, 135, and <laughs> I was actually pretty skinny, and I thought I was fat. But I don't know. I guess we're just never meant to be happy with ourselves. Yeah, that shit is insane. All right, but yeah, let's, let's talk on our uh, topic. Let's talk about a little bit of... True crime, shall we? The Streets of L.A.? That's a great game. True Crime Streets of L.A.? That's like Snoop Dogg was in the cover, right? Way back in the day? Nah, Snoop Dogg was an unlockable character at the end. He was a secret character. He played a Snoop Dogg. Hmm. Huh. I don't know if I've, if I've seen any gameplay on that, but I did see a little bit of Noir. Noir seems cool. You're basically running around, you're a detective, and... You you actually uh, interrogate people and you gotta look at press X to doubt. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta look at their facial cues if they're lying to you, and it's always they look to the left or they scratch their nose. That was the that was the big uh, technology of the time. Yeah, that game definitely it it did teach me a little bit about body language and how if you're gonna lie, don't don't do the things that make it obvious you're lying. So. I was also reading like um, body language when someone's gonna fight you, okay. and it's and it's always the look away. They look away before they throw hands at you. So what, like they're looking around to see if someone's gonna see them do the thing or what? Yeah, it's like okay, you're gonna see if someone's there, you know. But they always look away or turn their body away, and then they come back and beat your ass. So, uh, you know, keep keep those social cues up. You know, the people know. that don't read social cues are the unfortunate victims. See how I brought it back? Thank oh, you. Yeah. Hey, you're oh, welcome, guys. Because, you're welcome. Okay, okay. Yeah. Because they're dead? Damn. Well, some of them. We're going to talk, uh, we're going to, I guess, give a little bit of a holistic view on, on true crime, not just, uh, not just on like what it is today, but I, I do want to talk a little bit about where I came from, um, why. It seems like women in particular are super interested in true crime. And uh, I guess we could talk a little bit too uh, towards the end of uh, whether we think it's a good thing or a bad thing. Because it has its its positives for sure, as we'll get into. But it does, I, I think it also might have some negatives. But let's begin with a little bit of the history, shall we? Because I, I, I did a little bit of research. and. 
I thought true crime was just like a thing that started like in modern times. But actually, actually, it started as early as the 16th century as a result of the development of the criminal justice and the printing press. So basically, as soon as those uh, those printing presses were, were first invented, um, people started realizing that if we print out um, basically like the hangings that happened recently and why like why they were hung and stuff like that and and we know back in the day the church uh well it ruled a lot of like uh, just society and so they they would also use it as a way of like uh basically scaring people into like you know don't commit crimes because look at what happened to so and so so this happened again back since the 16th century so this is this has been a thing since forever basically and um even in the 1800s uh the 1800s saw the birth of detective stories which uh, cemented true crime as an official genre you have notable books like uh cold in Bl- cold blood uh which detail the murder of the cutter family you have other uh other books like uh, the thin blue line and and just these books that basically were genre defining and really captivated the um the interest of a lot of people and then from the books now you have a bunch of podcasts and and like you have podcasts like serial and um my favorite murder you have documentaries on netflix and it's basically everywhere now with jack the ripper right 1888 that was when that happened so 1800s what was sherlock holmes written it's, uh, it's a good question up. i think i think uh i mean we could look it up but i think um sherlock holmes is all fiction right yeah but it's yeah. still in the same realm right oh okay well, true jack crime the ripper is a little different but what's up jack the ripper happened saying. in 1888 mm-hmm. uh sherlock holmes happened in 1887 there it is Wow. It's still the romanticization of... Yeah, why should we look things up when we can just wildly speculate on them, Jeff? No, no, no. <laughs> this is for wild speculations, Edwin. Well, let's get into some speculations then. Why do you guys think that uh, true, crime, true crime has been along for so, such a long time and and uh, it seems like it's more popular than ever? It's just It's one of those things, right, where it's it's very easily... It's very easy to be captivated by these stories, right? Because you got this seemingly normal person who's like quiet, soft-spoken, but then, oh, they lure unsuspecting victims into their clutches. And, you know, you can bang in all these like big sexy words and then they, and then they kill. They disfigure. Them. They and mutilate disembowel them. Yeah. And disembody and. It is know, pretty gory. The, yep. the the level of detail that goes into some of these true crime stories. Yeah, 100%. I mean, shit's intense, man. I honestly can't do true crime. But uh, I just realized. Yeah, stick with me, guys. We're in Hispanic Heritage Month. What do um, What do Mexicans love if not a good corrido? And what are good corridos? Detailings of... Narco you killings, know, killings, and you know criminals. Right, right. 
true crime in music form, if you will. But these are modern day Robin Hood stories, that one. They're not Robin Hood stories. Motherfuckers are out there killing people in those corridos. Robin They're Hood not... stories, man. No, there's no. <laughs> the Tell cartel, me, Pablo Escobar wasn't <laughs> one of the greats to the he people a, of Medellin. He was a man of the. He was a he was man, man of, of the, the people. people you know, it doesn't matter that he did all these bad things. He did some good things, so he's a good guy. There's stories of El Chapo walking around Sinaloa just talking to people while he was wanted. No one ratted him out. Why would they? Because he's a man of the people, Edwin. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Going back to the topic of true crime. There is um, a big, big difference between how true crime used to be, I guess, represented back in the day versus now. So before true crime... It was really more about the killers themselves and and things were more so like a glamorization of how cold and cal- and calculated they were, how they were like evil geniuses and and the true crimes were about how like they were able to trick people and that they were just this like unassuming person that's just like out of nowhere just bam does the thing and nobody even knows who did it. So it really gra- glamorized them, which, uh, as we know today, it's 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 very problematic to glamorize these these sorts of folks because, well, then it inspires others, right? And um, so we have true crime today, and it's in a in large part because of um, I will say the work because of the work of a of a lot of special women that have been able to bring it to the forefront and yes there's still some glamorization of the killers but the way that um these women have been able to basically reclaim the um the crimes because most of the crimes like 90 plus percent of crimes happen uh, to women basically true crime now is is now more based on the women's perspective and how women are are not just victims they're they're more so survivors now and that um and that big like narrative change i feel is one of the biggest reasons why it is so popular because uh, i mean it'd be kind of boring if like if all the stories were just always about you know these guys that i guess you could like psychoanalyze them and like they're they were beat when they were kids and their dads were this and their moms were that and and this is why they did things. They hated women. They, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But when you focus more so on the stories of of the survivors, and really humanize, like, you know, humanize the the people that that suffered through these things, and and you have, I guess, I guess in a way you might have some happy endings, quote unquote. Well, because I try to understand too true crime, because most of it ends in like very sad and gory details, and then I guess sometimes you have like happy endings where some of the some folks survived. So, you know, I guess silver linings. But I I also don't do true crime. I I can't. I'm not like super interested in them. That might just be, um, I guess their privilege of being men. That true crime is kind of like uh it's just a genre, whereas for some women true crime is like uh actually a way for them to 
to know what to do in certain circumstances. Like, yeah, the 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 level of understanding that they want to acquire from this uh, true crime podcast or book or anything, mm-hmm. they want to gain something from it, right? But I don't know. There, there's those people that become infatuated with the serial killer themselves. Right, and that throws everything out the window. Oh God! Yeah, I saw there, the uh, the Netflix uh, one of the documentaries on this serial killer stuff, the Night Stalker, and that was the first time that I found out that that um, there's a lot of people who actually idolize these killers and wish that they were they would have been killed by them as like some sort of like fetish. I mean, yeah. Ted Bundy got married while he was in prison, standing trial for the murders. I mean, there's going to be crazy people. Yeah, so... There's got to be crazy people, for sure. This has been a thing for a while. Yeah, I I don't understand. I mean, there's a show on Netflix called uh, Dark Tourist, right? This dude latches himself on to a tourist destination of whatever sorts, mm-hmm. right? And he's like, why are people into this? Why are people, what do they get from this, right? So he goes and, you know, he went to uh, Medellin and he met he met um, Pablo Escobar's hitman. He talked to him about it and he was just like, why do people come here to you, a person who killed hundreds of people, you know, and they're like, well, they, they want to meet me, right? And it's just like, okay, right? But then he goes over to actual serial killers destinations right to people where 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 crazy serial killings happened right mm-hmm. and then you see a bunch of women being part of the group and they're like oh you know we love this you know he was so attractive he was so intelligent he was so interesting you know and everyone's just kind of like gathered around in a in a huddle kind of mm-hmm. intaking the whole experience and it's kind of fucking weird that doesn't like it doesn't vibe with me very well to kind of idolize people who have done such heinous shit. It's the reason why yeah, I mean even at I don't know. Go ahead. So one thing that I will say about um praising people that have done stuff like this is that uh I guess the one thing that we have to remember is that we're all human and the human psyche has a lot of evil thoughts and a lot of a lot of things that if there were no consequences a lot of people would do a lot of really evil shit if we're going to be honest and it's the fact that there are punishments and laws that deter people um from basically committing these these uh these crimes let's just call they're they're murders but I'm going to just say crimes because it's it's all encompassing and I guess I could see the infatuation over like, wow, this person actually did the dark things that are in all our minds. And they're fascinating because like, why are you able to do them where everybody else is, you know, constrained? I think you're making a vast generalization. I don't think it, I, I don't have these thoughts. <laughs> I don't think, oh, you know <laughs> what, man, if I if I could just have no consequences. I'd just kill everybody, I think. Man, you know, I could just shoot this person right here and now and be like, fuck it, dude. 
So this why, is, so why do you good. admire a character like the Joker? Because it's fictional. I I don't know. It's just like admiring villain. I don't. I wouldn't say I admire him. I just like him as a character, right? I don't have this great adoration for him. I'm not going to go to the Joker movie and shoot up the movie theater. You know? Right, because you're able to, like, uh, you you constrain yourself from ever doing anything bad because you know it's bad and you have morals. There's some people out there that they have morals or some of them that don't have morals, but they don't do the things that they're thinking about doing because, well, there's consequences and you only have one life. I think if you really wanted to do it, you'd just do it anyway. Uh, it's not that simple. Sometimes it is. All right. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, 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 sometimes it is, but like I, I'm just trying to understand why people would be fascinated by people who do evil. And that, well, that's one explanation in my that kind of makes sense to me. Well, the thing that would make sense to me is the same, it's kind of like, the same reason why people like skydiving, the same people why people like the same reason why people like scary scary movies or or hot spicy things, right? It's the thrill of being in danger, but not actually being in danger. Yeah, being scared in a controlled environment. Yeah. So you're scared listening to these things or doing these things, right? Skydiving, whatever. But you you know you're gonna be fine at the end of it. And it's just the... You're talking about like enjoying true crime from the comfort of your couch? Exactly. Okay. And you're and you're just taking in these gruesome details and oh my god, it is disgusting. Oh my god, it is super fucking scary. But you know you're just going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that is what gets everyone off in some way, shape, or form. There's one thing that you like doing that is dangerous for your mental health for anything right but you know that you're going to be just fine after you do it and that's why you do it and i think true crime does that to some people well, i can i can see that too kind of like a, a guilty pleasure of sorts yeah you know that if this wasn't in a controlled environment you'd be so fucked you know i, I like know. spicy food you know if it <laughs> <laughs> if I couldn't control how much spice I intook, I'd be so fucked, right? But it gets me euphoric. It gets me hype instead. And I think that's what people feel with true crime. The fact that they are getting these gruesome details that they wouldn't otherwise, right? But because it's so accessible, like before, I guess you'd have to be there to witness these things. Mm-hmm. But because you can hear it in your couch, on your on a podcast or read it on a book or watch it in a movie you're fine yeah i think something you're alluding to is the fact that uh because of there because there's so much true crime media now is that uh it's like a it's a respected genre now because before it, it, it was very like uh you kind of kept it to yourself that you liked uh you liked the indulging and like true crime and murder mysteries and stuff like that because you don't want people to look at you weird like wow that's all you like to read about is how so-and-so killer did so-and-so things like they they look at you kind of weird but now it's like if you just enjoy it at your house 
or on your way to or from work because you're listening to a podcast or whatever, however it is that you enjoy it. Uh, people don't look at you weird like, like that anymore because now it's more of like a respected genre. Yeah, I mean, the biggest podcast of true crime is My Favorite Murder, right? And that name is insane. <laughs> yeah, the name of Lone is very captivating. <laughs> that name gets you in, in the door. You're like, what the fuck, right? And it, it just brings you in. And then you meet people that are charismatic and they talk about these things in a more level-headed way you know and you're like oh yeah this is this is nice you right and then there you go you're in yeah one of my favorite things about my favorite murder is uh what they call the like their fans you know what their fans are called no murderinos murderinos (laughs) murderinos and one of their slogans is stay sexy and don't get murdered yeah, I, that's one of their books, right? I I think um they probably titled one of them that, yeah. And as serious as true crime is because the the stories and everything that's being told are are real and and people really did suffer and lots of families basically were never the same. I think that uh having true crime be such a I don't know if it's, if, I, if the word is welcoming or I guess like a genre that you could just kind of imagine that it like has like its arms wide open to just kind of like, like, you know, bring you in and like, you know, hug you and comfort you because uh, we like we talked about and I give a little bit of statistic here. According to a study published in May of 2018, 73% of true crime podcast listeners are women. And... um so with that in mind, these podcasts are basically giving women an avenue to not only express themselves because they do have these things called minisodes. I know a little bit about My Favorite Murder, not because I listen to it on my own, but because my girlfriend likes to play it while we're on a trip or something. And uh, they have these things called minisodes where they allow people to write to them basically and tell them about like their hometown murder. And so it, it gives, uh, it gives people kind of like this, like the, their community is basically like, Hey, murder is kind of like everywhere around us. And this is like the things that are happening. And it, it's not just the famous ones. The famous ones are sure. They're all like uh big news and, you know, it's like on 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 national television, but like there's a lot of little hometown stories that are very real as well, and so everyone's kind of just like here in this together, like like uh, they always advocating about like going to therapy and like uh, going to all these things, and so it's a it's a very good conversation that they have over there. So if you're like true crime and for whatever reason. You have not listened to my favorite murder. I think it's definitely worth a listen. And uh, I guess my la- my lady has made true crime her livelihood, you right? Know? And if you do like true crime, there's a lot of jobs out there. <laughs> there's a lot of jobs out there. If you want, I go, will say it's not for the faints of heart. If you want to go to autopsy rooms, it's there. You know, they're just short on people. 
So, yeah, this is that's the shit. I mean, I I mean, for me, whenever you know Denise comes home, she tells me about her day, and mm-hmm. it involves a a crime or something that happened either a long time ago, or you know, it's just really it gives me nightmares. It's just like fuck, dude. That shit is rough. And then I put myself in a situation in my dream where I'm there. And I'm like, what the fuck? Right? And it's just like, for me, true crime isn't good for me. Right? It's mm-hmm. not. It's it's just gives these thoughts in my head that I'm like, dude, this sucks. Like, why would anybody want to consume this? Right? But I understand that there's this fascination, like, to it. And uh, I don't know. It's interesting. And we alluded to it a little bit earlier is that the true crime stuff is not just, like, uh, it's not just entertainment, but a lot of, oftentimes it's it's informational. And it's yeah. kind of like a case study of sorts. So I... Uh, not gonna speak for women, but I, I would I would assume a good majority of them listen to true crime as a learning experience. So like if creepy person that's been a creep does this stuff, like this is what's happened in the past, so I know what kind of shit to avoid. Unfortunately that's the world we live in, right? Yeah. And well, I, I mean I, it okay, could be that we don't care about true crime because we're not we don't have those dangers or those same fears every day. But those same fears in men could be translated into war movies. Why do men love war movies? Why do men love war movies? Yeah. If we're grossly generalizing that women love true crime, let's generalize that men love war movies. And why is that? If war is like equally as heinous you know i'm trying to think back and i don't think i've seen very many war movies i mean some of the most critically acclaimed films have been war War movies movies. yeah but i've never seen saving private ryan i never saw have you guys seen dunkirk or 19 no but i didn't see either of those I, i went to go see that one by myself in theaters and it was a good time and I can I can see it on that respect. I wouldn't want to be in the trenches. I don't aspire to ever be on the trenches, no, right, dude? I but those <laughs> every World War Two movie with like the trench warfare is like, oh fuck this. That was World War One, dude. Oh, well, World War One. Sorry. Yeah, World War One is trench warfare. It was. It's just like. Dude, there's no way you get drafted to that shit, and you have to. They're, you're being told to to run across. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. So Maybe I don't partake. Just... Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say I don't partake in the movies, but I do partake in the games. Cause, yeah, from Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the original one, which is Call of Duty Four, mm-hmm. all the way up to Black Ops Two, I played the shit out of those games. And yes, it was mostly the multiplayer, but I played a lot of the story. 
And I just think it's interesting, man, because you're like you're playing through history. And it's it's one of those things that if you don't learn about the past, you're just doomed to repeat it. Right. So you're just it's just interesting to see how like Germany built their empire under Hitler and like one mistake essentially caused it to just collapse entirely. Another despicable man who gets the intelligent and uh, genius moniker by a bunch of white nationalists. Yep. Yeah, so, like, Band of Brothers, have you guys ever seen that? No. No. Band of Brothers, I think it's like a, I want to say 10 episode docuseries on, on like, one particular squadron in World War II. I haven't seen it all the way through, but, like, I've seen, like, half of it. And it's it's really good. It's really interesting because it's like you have people being interviewed in the squadron and then it cuts to like an act like a I guess a how would you call it? like it just cuts to like actors play basically acting out that role in like a drama series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shit, shit like that's just interesting to me. But why? I remember in eighth grade. One of my teachers was like, hey, we're going to play a war movie. It's going to be fun for everybody. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. But I got to warn you guys, it could get a little graphic, right? And it was the movie... Ah, shit. Glory. I think it's called Glory. It's about the Civil War. And people are fighting, right? And there's a scene where this guy's talking, having a good time with his buds, and it gets shot straight to the face. Yikes. I never forgot that fucking scene <laughs> because on one side he was fine and then just gets shot straight to the face. You see the hole, he just falls and dies. And it's just like, oh, fuck. Okay. Right. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe I was having the same feeling of, uh, I'm fine. Right. I'm watching this. I'm perfectly safe. But, like, you know what I mean? Maybe I'm having that same reaction to it. Where it's some shit you're not supposed to see. Some shit, like, it was just entertaining to watch as an 8th grader at the time. Seeing shit you're not supposed to see and then, you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, for war movies, I have always really liked the war movies that have taken a more realistic approach and how gruesome and... And how like um, how basically war is nothing to really glamorize. That it's just like this uh, vicious thing that you know people just die, and there's no uh, sure there's honor in it and stuff for for some, but mostly it all kind of just seems so pointless in the end, seeing so many people die. And um, I'm trying to connect it back to true crime because if men like watching violence in the form of war movies and uh and there's a a a large amount of women that that like watching violence in the form of true crime i wonder what the connection there is other than like people just have a grim curiosity dude yeah it's one of those things that spans all all Genders, is that the appropriate word? I don't know anymore. But, like, why would women not have the same grim curiosity about war 
that is it because it's more is it more intimate well no so so think about it this way uh when you're growing up and you're watching these war movies the sad reality is is that those are children in those movies being portrayed right most of these guys were like 18 fresh out of high school some of them were like 14 year olds that lied to get in right okay so you could realistically see yourselves in these in these situations right because you know the back then the army was predominantly probably only men so as a man, you put yourself in this situation. You're like, holy fuck, this this could have been me back then. So I guess in the same realm, if like if we're saying that true, like the crime statistics for these are predominantly towards women, then right. they can then put themselves in the in the shoes of the victim and been like, holy shit, this could have been me. Right, how- right. Okay, I see what you're saying. Also, how much emphasis is placed on parenting when it comes to true crime? Right, the parenting that the person received and how that formed them into being what they are. Damn, that's right. yeah. I don't consume a whole lot of true crime from, but from what I gathered is that uh, maybe they do touch on it, but I think the primary things that are being touched on now is more of the stories of the survivors, which is good. It definitely shouldn't put a lot of weight into the guy that did the heinous shit yeah because once you start going into like uh, their upbringings and like uh humanize it, it lends itself to like yeah you humanize them and you like uh maybe start feeling a little sorry for them because like oh well maybe if you were hugged you know <laughs> by that lady that wants to hug putin the lady yeah said, <laughs> if i was your mother putin yeah, None so of this would yeah, if she was everyone's mother, there would be no criminals. Because she would just hug us and everything would be okay. <laughs> <laughs> the self-importance of that fucking video, man. Hey, man, if I if I saw a documentary called Friday the 13th, where that, that didn't seem to be the case at all. All right? That mother loved her son, Jason. And, uh, eh, eh, you know, that, that didn't work out too good. Yeah, I mean, sadly, it just, um, the more, I feel like the more we try to understand some people, there's just uh, things that are. It might be getting my Beyond the crossed. realm of comprehension. This is one of those good episodes where having somebody talk about true crime with us would have been helpful, especially like being ex- on the. Like an expert or an yeah, avid a, consumer. An avid so, consumer. I, I have avid. some experience with it, it's mostly fictional. Because uh, I had a Criminal Minds phase, right? Oh, I like it. I like that show. Yeah, and that's, that's essentially fictionalized true crime, right? Because they go, there's a case to be solved, they profile the, vi- the villain or the, the person, and then they try to crack the case, right? And this is right. played out on a one-hour episode and so on and so forth. And I just, I like the whole psychology aspect of it. I like that they, they broke him down through his tendencies. They were able to gauge how you know how how likely he was to be this kind of person and i've always Mm -hmm. liked that that's what i like in poker too it's like if you put yourself in a scenario over and over and over again patterns start to repeat and you can then see what the end result can be like so i have a guilty i have a guilty pleasure um whenever i do go to a hotel right it is Food Network number one. But if they're playing some shit I don't jive with, there's a channel that plays only true crime things. 
and I forget the name. Is it Dateline? I don't know. But oh yeah, I think um, there's a channel that just plays enti- just true crime stuff, and being in a hotel makes it that much better. <laughs> yeah, it's Dateline <laughs> and NBC. Yeah, it's a place where I don't feel a hundred percent safe, and I'm throwing true crime at myself, right? And it's just it's it's pretty fucking good at that setting and only that setting. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe there is something to be said about that. Something that I thought of while Jeff was talking about Criminal Minds is that, um, and because I like that show too, it seemed like uh, him and I were more interested in kind of understanding, I guess, the like the, the psychology of like why why they did the things they did. They did, whereas True Crime now focuses more on. Less on, like, why they did the things, but more on, like, uh, how survivors were able to get out of the situation. Well, a lot of the draw is also the psychology of the serial killer. You know? Like, the motives are one of those things that really pull people in. Mm -hmm. So, I don't think the dismissal of the mentality of the serial killer for the survival aspect i i think it still pulls a significant audience you know what i'm saying well it's one of those things that they like like any media they has to adapt with the times right so like if if they know that their target audience is women they just adapt it towards them right that's that's how media works that's how it's always worked i can see that yeah So, like, back then, it was more of, like, something everyone can digest, so they try to make it more broad, I guess, and now now that they've honed in on an audience, they can target it better. So, I have something to just, uh, a question, I guess. Uh, Because we're kind of talking about how true crime, in some cases, might be sensationalized, or sometimes it's just, you know, it could actually be something fruitful and positive for people to listen to so that they know what to do in certain situations, etc. So, and this is, this might just be playing a devil's advocate a little bit. Are you guys think that we're bringing awareness to these cases or is it more like just like straight up, just degenerate entertainment? Because you could make a, cause Jeff was talking about how like media will adapt to what people are are like wanting to listen to. So, are we sensationalizing true crime? If yes. people want to learn more about this stuff and people will put out more content about this stuff, at some point do we ever does the line ever get blurry between like just wanting to report on things just for clicks versus like uh important stuff that needs to be put out there? Well the new Jeffrey Dahmer series is exactly that. It is glamorizing the entire thing, making it sexy, and it's upsetting the the victims' families, right? It's upsetting so many people that were involved with those cases, that case, that it is portraying it in that way. Yeah, because I, I do believe that there's a way to cover certain stories and uh, be true to 
to the you know to be true to what happened and let the survivors basically dictate like how they want the story to be told like i think there are ways to to get that done uh but i also do have the worry that uh some of these stories are just being straight up produced for profit that's exactly what it is as a viewer it's our job to distinguish between the two you know to figure yeah, out what's being sensationalized <laughs> and what isn't. People are still going to eat it up. Yeah. The, the problem. That's the sad reality of it. Yeah. Perversion sells, man. I mean, I, I if I go on Netflix right now, there's like four different documentaries that are like, oh, hey, watch Ted Bundy, watch Jeffrey Dahmer, watch the guy with the clown face whose name I forgot. I don't know a guy with the clown face. I don't know. The thumbnail is just like a, a guy. It's like half him in like a clown suit, half him holding up the the jail card. You know what I'm talking about? Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. So with that in mind, do you guys think it's ethical? Is true crime ethical? When the it's, genre itself. When it's done informative, when it's done for the sake of like giving a voice to the victims, bringing awareness to situations that can occur to you. I think that is exceptionally fine. I think that's how you do it. When it's just, hey, this guy murdered people and he's so sexy and cool, dark and mysterious. That's when you jump the shark and go, okay, now you're just doing it for money. Yeah. You start using words like charismatic, handsome, you know, like you start throwing words that are in praise of the serial killer or or person who did the crimes, right? Like, I don't think that's okay. It's the way they address the person in question in the first place, right? A hundred percent. I think uh, what Jeff said was gold. I think it's exactly what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, yeah, that's uh, basically all I got in the true crime conversation. You guys got anything Anything else you guys want to add before we uh, set off into the sunset? Nah, I mean, I would like to hear some perspectives if, if y'all got them. Yeah, let us know in the comments section why you watch true crime. Uh, yeah, any closing be, thoughts? I mean, I mean, because I could read like um, statistics or or surveys and stuff like that, but it would be interesting to know what our what our listeners like. I guess like at more a little more anecdotal, maybe perhaps like more qualitative type of uh, research, just to know. All right, so that brings us to the end of our episode. You can reach us at our website, TiltedNotSir.com, or at our Instagram. You can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. Remember to join us to share your questions and voice your thoughts on what has you tilted, not stirred. Deuces. Was that a seductive voice? Charming voice? I'm charming and charismatic. And charismatic? Yeah. Be careful. I have dark thoughts. <laughs> <laughs>